entertainment. The head of drama, much to her continued amazement, caused Julia to bemoan her love life. They sit in the bar after work as production assistants try to worm their way into their affections by buying them drinks and feeding them office gossip. She has always had what everyone else has always wanted, from her glossy dark hair to her small feet tucked into beaded slippers or sexy pointed slingbacks. From her spotlighted career, she is regularly included in those magazine features on Ones to Watch, to her large Victorian house in Hampstead. Actually, it's Gospel Oak. But given that it's practically on top of the heath, and that all the estate agents call it Hampstead, Julia is now doing the same thing. And most of all, Mark. Julia and Mark met four years ago. He was the company lawyer, had been with the firm for about six months, had become the heartthrob of the office. Julia, to her credit, was blissfully unaware of this, being embroiled in a relationship with one of those dreadful, difficult men who pretend that they love you. But who are actually far too busy with their friends and their lives to give you the time of day. And then one lunchtime, he came and stood by Julia's table, an overflowing plate of spaghetti threatening to tip off his tray, and asked if he could join her. She was Miss Doom and Gloom, having realised that the dreadful, difficult man was turning out to be too dreadfully difficult even for her. But within minutes, Mark had made her smile—the first time she had smiled for weeks. But gorgeous as everyone else seemed to find him, Mark simply wasn't her type. Even now, she's not entirely sure he's her type. She tells people she fell in like with him because he was kind to her and treated her well, and because he was such a nice guy. And maybe, just maybe, because she was slightly on the rebound, although the only person she's ever admitted that to is Sam. And if that were really true, there's no way she'd be with him four years on, is there? Is there? It's not that she's unhappy exactly, but she's not happy either. She just is. For the last couple of years, Julia has felt as if she's lived her life floating on a cloud of apathy. Everyone tells her she's the luckiest girl in the world, and Mark does, did everything for her. Although now, when she catches his eyes, they sit on the sofa watching television. It shocks her to recognize herself in there. She turns away and blinks, unable to bear the thought that Mark is equally numb. Because if that is the case, then what is the point? A baby is the point. She decided nine months ago when the numbness threatened to overwhelm her. Because while they may not make each other laugh any more, while they hardly talk any more except to argue, and they don't even manage to do that properly, Mark, being the gentle, non-confrontational creature that he is, while she refuses to acknowledge that surely there is, there must be more to life than this, there are things about Mark that she loves. She loves the fact that he will make a wonderful husband, a heart-stoppingly amazing father. He is loyal, trustworthy, and faithful. Too good to be true, Sam stated firmly after she had first met him and been well and truly charmed. You think? Julia was blasé. Too good to be true and in love with you. That was how Sam said it, as a caption. Julia had shrugged, but Sam continued. Don't let this one go, she warned, and Julia took it to heart. After all, Sam was the expert.
Sam had already found Chris, the man she was to marry, so when she told Julia that Mark was a keeper, she took her advice and kept him. He is a keeper. Sam was right. Julia watches him wash up every night, listens to him whistling as he carries the shopping home, and she knows he deserves better than this. She thinks she might deserve better than this, too. They have found a way of living side by side without ever really communicating. They told all their friends that the key to their relationship was exactly that. They were so different. They thought they would never be bored, each of them having their own interests. Only now Julia can see the chasm that's opened up between them. Mark loves being at home. Julia loves being out. He loves his family, his close friends, and Julia. She loves being surrounded by people, strangers, anyone, the more, the merrier. Mark loves puttering around the house and garden, finds true spiritual happiness in home base, whereas Julia is at her best in a noisy bar, chattering away over a few cosmopolitans. When they first met, he was renting a small flat in Finsbury Park. She owned a tiny, messy, terraced house just off Kilburn High Road. Neither of them can quite remember how it happened, but a couple of months after they met, Mark had moved in. And Julia loved it, in the beginning. She'd been on her own since leaving university, and suddenly there was someone to talk to, someone who would listen if she'd had a particularly good or bad day. Mark quickly assumed the role of housekeeper, chef, organizer. The unopened envelopes piled in the hallway disappeared overnight, and Mark dealt with stuff. He fixed the leaking showerhead, a small annoyance she'd learned to live with. He created a terrace out of the courtyard filled with rubble. He turned her house into a home. And when, after a year, it became too small for both of them, he bought a huge house just up the road in what was then very definitely Gospel Oak. And now they rattle around together in this house that is far, far too big for Julia. Julia loved her tiny house, loves small, cosy rooms, has never felt comfortable in this house, never felt right. They meet in the kitchen, the one place Julia does like, the one room that makes her feel as though she belongs, the only room in the house that bears witness to the occasional times that Mark and Julia laugh together, talk, communicate because every now and then they do have a fantastic time. Both of them are still clinging on, hoping that those fantastic times will increase, that they will be able to recapture some of the magic that was there at the beginning. Which is why Mark agreed to the baby. Julian knew he wasn't keen, wasn't ready, but she has come to believe this baby is their best shot. Of course it's not right to use children as a means of grouting up the cracks in a relationship, but Julia is convinced she'd change if they had a child together. She'd be settled, happy. They would be a family. In the old days they used to lie in bed after each love-making session, wondering whether they had created a baby. Friends of Julia said they knew. Sam said she knew. And Julia has spoken to many other people. Many, 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 because making a baby has become an obsession. 
succeeding in making a baby her mission in life. She would gladly speak to friends of friends, distant colleagues, total strangers, in a bid to find out how it is done, how she can make it work. It is as easy to approach strangers to quiz them on the most intimate subjects, which luckily mothers don't seem to mind, all privacy and intimacy having presumably been removed from their lives at some point on the birthing table, as it is hard to be around people she actually knows who have children. She has managed to admit to Sam her true feelings. She is jealous and angry about other people's ability to have children. Not strangers. She can happily be around strangers and their children, but friends? Family? There have been times when Julia has been filled with such hateful fury, furious hate, that she has been scared it will project from her mouth in a stream of invective. Julia is a woman filled with jealousy and resentment, a woman who hates herself for it but cannot help it. Once upon a long time ago, Julia had an abortion. She hadn't thought about it for years. Recently she finds she thinks about it an awful lot. What she thinks most is that there is nothing wrong with her. She has been pregnant. This is not her fault. And if it's not her fault, then whose fault must it be? By rights, Julia should not be able to see Sam, with Sam's stomach growing her mind focusing on childbirth, labour and chocolate ice cream with green olives and prawns. But somehow Julia can cope with Sam because she loves her.